Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Seahawks. This is Vincent Verhaya, Football Outsiders, and I'm back talking your Seattle Seahawks and all the news around the NFL. Thanks for hanging out today, and let's hang out again tomorrow. Be sure you and your friends subscribe to the podcast because I will be here for you every weekday. We're going to have some fun today, and uh, I mentioned in the intro every day that we're going to talk about all the news around the NFL, and then most often I don't. I pretty much talk about what's going on in Seattle and the Seahawks and their opponents, and for the most part, that has been it. But the Seahawks have been on the bye this week, or they're going to be on the bye this week, and so we've got some extra time to kill, and I had to find some new material. And uh, I figured the best thing to do today would be would be to take a look at what's going on around the rest of the NFC West, uh, check in with the ESPN writers for the Cardinals, Rams, and 49ers, and see what's up with those teams right now. You can all check the standings for yourselves and see the uh, Rams are tied for the Seahawks at 3-1. and one. And given that the Rams beat Seattle in Week 2, that actually gives them the tiebreaker edge, technically. Uh, the Cardinals and 49ers are both at the bottom of the division at 1-3. and three. So that is where things stand, and you can check find that at a million, million newspapers' websites around the country. So what we're going to do today is check in with ESPN.com and their staff writers looking at the division rivals of the Cardinals, Rams, and 49ers, starting with Arizona. This is a story written by Josh Weinfuss. Uh, kind of a state-of-the-team thing after the Cardinals lost to the Rams this weekend. He writes, At 1-3, the Arizona Cardinals have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt they're not the same team that came within a game of the Super Bowl last season. Sure, it's still early, and they can win their next 12, but it's not likely with how they've played so far. Around the locker room, that message was clear. This year's team isn't last year's. Why, though? What happened, aside from roster changes and a flip of the calendar, that has the Cardinals sitting at the bottom of the NFC West, struggling to score, and void of an identity? This year's team is missing something. We have safety Tyron Matthew said, I just don't think this team has found its motivation yet. We just have to find our edge this team. We've got to find our attitude. We've just got to figure out what drives us. Our coaches aren't always going to be able to drive us. This has to come from us personally. Every man in this locker room has to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves, are they, are they giving all they've got every play? We're one and three. It's not what we envisioned. After Matthew's done, uh, Weinfuss continues, personnel certainly plays a part. Matthew said last year's, teams had, last year's team had veterans with chips in their shoulders and young players poised for stardom. This team does not. This team doesn't have the swagger, linebacker Alex Okafor, Okafor said. It's still trying to find its identity, wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald said. We don't have that killer instinct right now, linebacker Kevin Minter said. We got to get that back. For, for four weeks, the Cardinals have been dealing with the same issues on offense, defense, and special teams. Their fixes haven't worked. The same mistakes are happening week after week. It's starting to, starting to take its toll. You definitely get tired of saying the same old stuff, Minter said. I know you all get tired of hearing it. It's time for us to make a run. 
It just is what it is. It's time for us to stop with the excuses and buckle down and play ball, period. If there was an actual panic button on Coach Bruce Arians' desk, he would have a list of reasons to push it after just four games. His team is 1-3. and three. The offense can't find success early in games. His quarterback is in the concussion protocol, on a short week, no less. The defense isn't as aggressive isn't as aggressive as it has been in the past. Self-inflicted mistakes have haunted Arizona in all three of its losses. A meltdown or a profanity-laced tirade wouldn't come as a surprise, nor would it be frowned upon. Instead, Arians went around the locker room Sunday evening and talked to each player individually. His message was one of unity, despite the turmoil outside the locker room doors. Nobody is going to start finger-pointing in that locker room or on this coaching staff, Arians said. It all starts and ends with me. But even Arians can't do much about who his starting quarterback will be Thursday night. Carson Palmer left Sunday's 17-13 loss with less than six minutes remaining to be evaluated for a concussion and didn't return. After the game, Arians said Palmer was entered into the NFL concussion protocol, putting his status for Thursday game at the San Francisco 49ers in jeopardy. The prospect of not having Palmer doesn't bode well for the Cardinals' chances of finding their winning ways of a year ago, especially when Palmer can't find a way to get the offense on track. For the fourth straight game, the Cardinals didn't score in the first quarter. That led to the offensive streak of punting on first-quarter drives extending, extending to 10 this season. Sometimes facing a heap of adversity can have a galvanizing effect, Arian said. That, in turn, he added, makes his job easy. The age-old cliche, there's still a lot of football to be played, is, footing, is fitting in this case. The Cardinals completed the first quarter of the schedule, leaving 12 more games. But that doesn't stop the pressure to win those games. We're in a tough position right now, Okafor said. We know we can't afford to lose many more, if, if, not, if not none at all. I mean, we're just focused on getting that first one, and that's all you can do at this point. It's get that first one and build from there. Arians has seen both sides. He has coached on teams that got hot in September and some that caught fire in December. Years of experience have taught him he'd prefer the latter. But, he said, we need to start warming up. So there you go. That is Josh Weinfuss talking to the Arizona Cardinals about their 1-3 status. Uh, only thing I really got to add to this is just from uh, beyond the specific, they're not playing as good as they did last year, which is obvious on its face. Uh, the one thing I know that they did better than anyone last year and are having great struggles with this year is the deep pass. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know others have looked at it, and they were the uh, they, they led the NFL in uh, success and, and yards on deep passes last year. And I think th- this year they are last or next to last through four games. So uh, I don't know what's going on with that. I know I have always thought Carson Palmer played over his head last year. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald was able to fight off Father Time for one more season, but hasn't been able to since. Uh, we can take a deeper look maybe this week at what's going on in Arizona. But before we move on to the Rams and 49ers, let's take a look at what else is going on around the Locked On Podcast Network today. Over at the Mothership, Locked On NFL, Matt Williamson has game reviews of Week 4, including your Seahawks stomping the New York Jets. He's also going to look at the Raiders' exciting back-and-forth comeback win over Baltimore and the Vikings going to 4-0 and against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. Over at Locked On Fantasy, Vinny Iyer of Sporting News has Pickup Tuesday. He's going to focus on running backs in Baltimore, Philadelphia, and both New York teams. So if you're needing a punch in the backfield or a boost in the backfield, you're going to want to check out what Vinny's got to say over at Locked On Fantasy. And over at Locked On Cardinals, Gavin Shaw's doing... Essentially, the same thing I'm doing today. He's gauging the competition. 
Looking around at uh, what's going on throughout the uh, NFC West and the rest of the conference, Gavin got a bit of a late start on this Locked On podcast deal, so he didn't get to do this before the season, which is making it for lost time now. Be sure to check those out. That's what's going on on the Locked On Podcast Network today. You will find something you like. All right, with that business taken care of, let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams, a team I'll probably call St. Louis for many years now. Uh, Alden Gonzalez of ESPN, he's the staff writer who wrote this piece, and he begins, Winning is only a temporary relief from the misery of losing. NFL coaches tend to live by that motto, pessimistic as it may sound. This league is too difficult, too demanding to spend too much time reveling in victory. The games keep coming, so every day there are tapes to dissect, plays to analyze, opponents to study. Jeff Fisher, coach of a Los Angeles Rams team that has improbably reeled off three straight wins, agonized over penalties in the moments that followed his 17-13 triumph over the Arizona Cardinals. He took, the, took to the podium on Monday afternoon with a 3-1 and record that made him a first-place coach through the season's first quarter and immediately talked about how his team, quote, has a lot of room for improvement. The celebrating ended before it really even began. Offensively and defensively, we've got a lot of room for improvement, Fisher went on. Too many big plays defensively, struggles against the run, same thing, lack of a running game offensively, and just an inability to go get points when we got midfield. The players understand it, and they were receptive today of where we are. Where the Rams are, though, is in a position few would have expected, especially after a 28-0 loss against a bad San Francisco 49ers team to begin the season. Fisher, whose job status came under heavy scrutiny in the wake of that Week 1 defeat, Reminded his players then that 15 other teams also lost, some of them very good. The organization watched the tape and saw a team it did not recognize. A players-only meeting was called, and the veterans spoke up, reminding everyone about how well the team played down the stretch last season and how much good work they had put in thereafter. I knew we had all the talent, Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald said of his thoughts following week one. That's why a lot of us were more disappointed in how that outcome came. We know what type of talent we've got. We know what type of players we got. We knew we just had to stay together, get better, and fix the things we were doing wrong. The Rams followed with a dominant defensive effort against a hobbled Russell Wilson in an emotional home opener, beating the Seattle Seahawks by a 9-3 score in Week 2. They then went to Tampa, Florida, and came out on the right side of a back-and-forth game from Raymond James Stadium to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 37-32. Then, in Arizona, they used five forced, forced turnovers, a steady performance from Case Keenum, and a couple of well-timed touchdowns from Brian Quick to hand the Cardinals their third loss this season. The Rams have won six of eight games dating back to last season, and all of those victories have been decided by eight points or less. I think good teams win the close games, Keenum said. I think that, that, I think that is this league. If you go across the board, every week I think most games, if not all of them, are one or two possession games. Some may be determined by a field goal or two. You see time and time again that the good teams win those games. They find a way to do it. It doesn't matter how, it matters how many at the end of the day. Fisher sees no sense of panic in his team, even though it is one of the NFL's youngest. Youngest, He has seen it firsthand. We can't change what happened, Fisher said, refer referencing the week one loss. But we have moved forward. We have won some games. And now we've got a really talented opponent coming into town that's, really, that's feeling pretty good about themselves right now. So to me, the focus is clearly on Buffalo. I don't have a lot to say about that. Most of it is uh, pretty fair and objective, really, uh, acknowledging that they have been just barely eking out wins. I do disagree with Keenum when he says good teams win the close games and every team comes down to 
one or two possessions, some by a field goal or two, and the good teams win those games. Actually, what you find is that teams that win in the playoffs and teams that win uh, championships, they more often than not stomp their bad opponents into the earth and win by 20 or 30 points. Usually, not always, usually the teams that get into the playoffs on 11 wins and eight of them are by a field goal or just by a touchdown, those are the teams that don't fare as well as the postseason because, to put it frankly, their luck runs out. And uh, they, when, you, when you overachieve like that and win every close game, it tends to come back to bite you in the ass. And when, when the game is not close, then you can't make it a close game and you lose. So, But again, I, it, what's he supposed to say? That they're not very good at 3-1, and one, that they're disappointed with how they're playing? So, you know, it's just the kind of thing athletes say when it's a 16-week season and they've got to talk to reporters all the time. All right, we're going to close up with the 49ers here. Nick Wagoner is the ESPN staff writer covering San Francisco. And he says, For a little more than a quarter of Sunday's loss to the Dallas Cowboys, the light came on and was burning bright for San Francisco 49ers quarterback Blaine Gabbard. After another week of questions about his job security, Gabbard played like a man with no intention of relinquishing his position at the top of the depth chart. He was accurate and efficient in leading the Niners to two touchdowns in their first two possessions, and had already surpassed his production in touchdowns and yards from the previous week in Seattle. Then, abruptly, it all came to a screeching halt. On its first two drives, San Francisco had eight first downs, including six consecutive third-down conversions, 143 yards, and led 14-0. The rest of the way, the Niners mustered six first downs, 152 total yards, and went 2-8 of eight on third down. A 14-0 lead turned into a 24-17 loss. Gabbard finished 16 of 23 for 196 yards with one touchdown and one interception. It was a better performance than the previous two weeks in Seattle and Carolina, but that one interception seemed to, seemed to be the throw that mostly altered the opinion of his game. Coach Chip Kelly was mostly pleased with how Gabbard fared and again said he did not consider making a change of quarterback. No, I thought Blaine played well today, to be honest with you, besides that one throw, and again I have to see the film, Kelly said. I don't know if he had a chance to step up in the pocket and make the throw, but besides that, I thought Blaine played a good game. That interception was the costliest of mistakes as the Niners attempted to mount a late comeback. After sticking mostly to short and intermediate routes most of the day, Gabbard uncorked, good word by the way, uncorked, uncorked a long pass intended for receiver Torrey Smith, who had come open on a deep post. But, but Gabbard's throw came up short and off and landed in the waiting hands of Dallas cornerback Morris Claiborne for what amounted, amounted to a glean for what amounted to a game-clinching interception. I've been reading straight now for 14 minutes. It's starting to wear on me. That was a huge play in the game, Gabbert said. Every game in the league comes down to one or two plays that change the outcome, and that definitely had an impact on it, and that's on me. I got to throw that ball to the middle of the field and let him go get it. After staying overnight at the team facility and watching the film, Kelly agreed with that assessment. I think Blaine said it yesterday, Kelly said. He was behind him on the throw, and he needs to put the ball out in front of him. He just missed the throw. Aside from that play, Kelly pointed to Gabbert's ability to get the ball out quick and fire accurate passes, such as a 29-yard strike to tight end Garrett Selleck and make good decisions in the running game as reasons for his support of Gabbert. And while Gabbert again frustrated the fan base with, a th with his throw short of the sticks on fourth and sixth on the team's final possession, Kelly said it was the right decision in that situation because the two deep receivers were covered and Gabbert was flushed from the pocket. In fact, Gabbert's air, 11 air yards per attempt with the second longest throw distance in a game of his career, meaning he was pushing the ball down the field a bit more than previous games. I think he did a nice job with his decisions, Kelly said. 
We got to block the, we got to block things a little better on the perimeter in the run game. I don't think our I don't think our guys did a good job to help him out there. The run game had been effective for Gabbard in the Niners' season opening win against the Rams, and in the early going of Sunday's game, it again seemed to help Gabbard on track. The 49ers ran zone read on 26 of their 28 design rushes, the most they've run in a game in the past five seasons. But those plays didn't yield the greatest results as they averaged 3.8 yards per attempt on those plays. Gabbard attempted 12 rushes, including a kneel down for 27 yards, the most rushing attempts by a quarterback so far this season. It was the way they were playing it, Gabbard said. It was their defensive scheme for the day. They were trying to gap exchange and play the linebacker over the top with the end crash, and you just got to pull it, keep it tight, and get as many yards as you can. All told, Gabbard's performance wasn't enough to quiet the calls for Colin Kaepernick to move into the starting role. But it always seemed unlikely the Niners would make a change on a short week with Arizona coming to town for a Thursday night game anyway. That doesn't necessarily mean Gabbard is on his last chance either. To this point, Kelly has showed no signs of even considering a change to Kaepernick, nor has he seen enough of Kaepernick in practice to force his hand. There are also potential financial implications that might need dealing with before such a move would be made. Which simply means the job remains Gabbard's until Kelly, Kelly says otherwise. So that is their... <laughs> That is where things stand with San Francisco. I just love the idea that Blaine Gabbard in his, in his sixth year as an NFL quarterback, and we are clinging to one good first quarter as a sign of hope. Uh, Blaine Gabbard is terrible. Blaine Gabbard has always been terrible. And uh, they did note here how he tends to throw short of the sticks over and over and over again. I can get some numbers on that and have that for you later in the week. Well, that's going to do it for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this little wrap around the NFC West. Uh, be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Locked Seahawks. You can follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash LockedOnSeahawks. And be sure to send us an email at LockedOnSeahawks at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, concerns, worries, hate mail, praise, whatever. Send us the line, LockedOnSeahawks at gmail.com. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow, and go Hawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily podcast on the Seattle Seahawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.